Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Right Side with Doug Billings. Thanks for watching us. Today, Chris Ann Hall, one of our favorite guests right here on The Right Side. She's a constitutional expert, a constitutional attorney. She has spent the last 24 years or so of her life teaching the Constitution, practicing law as a prosecutor and as a teacher. We will discuss January 6th, 2021, what is coming up this week in the American Republic. It's going to be not only a historical week, but a very important one in our history. Now, ladies and gentlemen, members of this audience, you know me. I am about the truth and setting the facts straight. There are a lot of big names in social media, conservative big names in social media and in uh, the mainstream media who are telling you that President Trump has a direct, positive, and almost certain guaranteed course to become uh, to be sworn in again on January 20th. And I want that to be true, ladies and gentlemen. But the path forward for President Trump is not an easy one. Yes, technically there is a path. But what we are going to need are Democrats and Republicans who have not yet spoken up about this to have a sense of constitutional honor and do the right thing with regards to the abundant amount of proof and evidence and suspicion that there is and has been voter irregularities this year. Now, our hope of on the right side is that there are members of both parties who have chosen to be silent and just keep their opinions to themselves until this meeting of the joint session of Congress on January 6th takes place, and that after hearing the debate, seeing the evidence and listening and responding to their colleagues, that there will be some on both sides of the aisle that have the political courage and the patriotic honor to do the right thing, to cast out votes that may be fraudulent, or from states who didn't follow the constitutional law of their own state's electoral process. All of that and more coming up right here and right now on The Right Side with Doug Billings. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Right Side with Doug Billings, a really important program for us today as we discuss January 6th and all that it means for the Republic. I have with us today, again, one of our favorite guests, Chris Ann Hall, a <laughs> constitutional attorney. You are, Chris Ann. You're one of our favorites. And you bring, so much, <laughs> you bring so much education to the program and to us in general. And um, I know you're busy. You've got your own program, your own presence out there on social media, YouTube and Facebook. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you get a chance to look her up, Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E Hall on YouTube mm -hmm. and Facebook. Please look her up. And Chris Ann, thank you again for being here today. Thank you so much. I, it's an honor for me to be here. Thank you. Um, all right. So not a lot of time to talk about topics that we can talk for hours about. So for, <laughs> for the audience, let's just recap what we're looking at with regards to January 6th. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, the joint session of Congress is going to come together to count the votes of the Electoral College. We have dueling electors and so forth. So can you, you know, treat us like we're, we're seniors in high school here and, and explain to us, you know, what is in store for us on January 6th with regards to the count first. And then I'll have questions about, you know, wh whether or not Trump has a real pathway or not, what's Pence's role and so forth. Right. Well, what's interesting is you, you see me looking around. I'm actually opening up my uh, constitution here. So Good. when I teach students, I just want to be very clear. I don't want to make this too complicated. No, we don't have a lot of time. But 
when you're asking how something is supposed to constitutionally work, what we she would we expect? What are, are, are what should we expect constitutionally? Then it's really important that you go to the Constitution for those answers. Yes, because you know. Uh, opinions, everybody has them. Everybody has their perspective. Everybody has their agenda. Everybody has their desired outcome. The bottom line is when we're talking about the election of a president, we're talking about something that is based firmly and foundationally in the Constitution itself. So the first place you have to go is the Constitution. And that would be Article 1, or I'm sorry, Article 2, Section 1, Clauses 2 and 3, and then also the 12th Amendment. Now, what we have to understand on January 6th, and January 6th is a date set by the uh, Federal Electoral College Counting Act, which is uh, 3 uh, U.S. Code Section 15. All right, so that's established by law, and the Constitution establishes Congress's authority to create law to, to make this function uh, their uh, their function happen in this, okay? So January 6th is the date set by law to count the electoral college vote. That date is set by law. And I, I, right. I, I repeated that because it's something that is a, is a really big point of confusion today. And so the date is set by law. The date of January 6th cannot change unless a completely new law is passed. And I mean uh, debated, voted, ratified by both the House and the Senate, sent to the President of the United States, and signed into law. That is the only way January 6th date can change. The count has to happen on that day. And, and now, we've seen, so we, we've seen Fox News legal experts say that they can change the vote. It's absolutely nuts, Chrisanne. No, Go ahead. Yeah. I have no idea where they're pulling that out of, but yeah. Yeah. certainly not the Constitution not, and not yep. 3 U.S.C. 15. Okay, yep. it just doesn't exist there. Yep. So, and as a matter of fact, you know, these people love their precedent as well. And so what we have to understand is the precedent has already been established that you have to have a law to change this in January 6, 2013. That was going to fall on a Sunday. So a law was passed to change that date up two days to January 4th, 2013. Okay. So January 4th, 2013 uh, was the date that the January 6th date was changed to in 2013 and the president actually had to sign that as House Joint Resolution 122. So that was signed into law on December 28th, mm -hmm. 2012. So we're not talking about getting to January 6th and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got to change things or getting out. This was done well in advance and it was signed into law by the president. Now, Article 2, Section 1, Clauses 2 and 3 tells us the vice president's role, how this is supposed to happen. It says uh, that, let's see, the president of the Senate shall, in the presence of the House and the Senate, uh, the Senate and the House of Representatives is how it exactly reads, mm -hmm. open all the certificates, those are the certificates sent by the states of the electoral votes, and the votes shall then be counted. Yep. Now, there's a lot of confusion going on about this, right? Because this language is very clear. It is very simple. It's not, there, there's not any words of questionable origin or meaning in them. 
And when we look at the language of the text itself, we understand exactly what's supposed to happen. On January 6th, the president of the Senate, who is to who will be Vice President Pence, will open the, certi- the sealed certificates in the presence of the House and the Senate. And I want you to notice something. It says that the president of the Senate, which is the vice president, shall in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives open all the certificates. And then it says, and the votes shall then be counted. I want you to notice that it doesn't even say that the Senate president counts the votes. Uh It says that the Senate president opens the seals Mm -hmm. in front of the House and the Senate, and then the votes are counted. Mm -hmm. The vice president doesn't actually count the votes. There are are people called the counters that count them. So there are two, generally one on either side, and they double-check each other, right? Okay. So there's been a lot of confusion out there about how the Constitution says, and, and by the way, the 12th Amendment says the same thing in regard to this particular uh, passage, right? It says, the, this is from the 12th Amendment, it says, the President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates and the votes shall then be counted. So that language does not change from Article 2 to the 12th Amendment. That's exactly the same. So the confusion that is being sown throughout America, shockingly by lawyers and people who are supposed to be experts on this, (laughs) is that, you know, one, the vice president can choose which votes are counted or not counted. That is simply nowhere in the uh, Constitution whatsoever. As a matter of fact, as I point out before, the Constitution doesn't even establish that the Senate president actually counts the votes. He doesn't have the authority to determine the eligibility of those votes. He doesn't have the, the authority in the Constitution to exclude those votes. He cannot have the authority, it does not exist constitutionally, to either choose to accept or reject any votes. In the same context, the Senate president, who is the vice president, does not have the authority constitutionally to accept or reject the objections from the House members and the senators. That is not in the authority, uh, constitutionally speaking, of the vice president. So the House and the Senate are the ones who determine the eligibility of of the electors votes. And they raise the objections, then the House and the Senate vote on those objections. If a majority in the House, the majority in the Senate agree that those objections to those certificates are valid, then those objections are actually, uh, then those, ba- those certificates are absolutely denied. They are excluded. Now, I have seen so much. Doug, lately about we are in unprecedented times and this is unprecedented, this unprecedented, that. That is also not true. This has actually four times in our presidential history have elector votes been excluded. They have been either been partially excluded in a state or entire states have Mm -hmm. been excluded. Mm -hmm. In 1865, Two of the three Nevada electors were denied. 
in joint session. Uh, only two votes were counted, and in those, the third one was not. Uh, votes not counted by electors or not being included also happened in 1809, 1813, and 1817. So you're talking about four times happening. I don't even, which should make everything that you hear sort of a suspect, right? Correct. If you're told this is unprecedented, that we have no guidepost to look at, and now I'm reading to you the fact that this has actually happened four times before. See, these are one of the things that just call all this stuff into suspect yep, for me. Exactly. Right? You can't, right. can't, how can you believe this, right? So, so, so people like Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, and then you've got a whole bunch, almost all of the elected Republican House members who are saying, mm-hmm. we are going to contest these votes uh, in you know, either the battleground states or wherever, either right. because A, the state didn't follow their own electoral laws, or B, because um, of, of fraud or malfeasance of some sort. So, right. So what, okay, so they do break up, they go debate this thing, you know, there's a lot of hoopla too. The left side says, well, go ahead, object to the votes, have your two-hour debate, and that's all it's going to boil down to. You're not going to be able to change anything. Right. Um, Will anything be able to be changed at the end of the day? Do the Republicans hold any kind of majority at all with regard to voting on dueling electors or the contested, quote-unquote, or, you know, quote-unquote illegal votes that were cast? Is there any way they can change anything? Yeah, I... In the House, in the Senate, yes, there is, there is a Republican majority, okay? In the House, there is obviously not a Republican right, majority. Right. Now, this is also where some of the seeds of confusion were sown. The confusion being, uh, well, it's only, it's what they call, it's an elector vote, right? So there's yep. only one House member for each district that will, for each state that is chosen. Mm-hmm. I know you've heard that. But see, that vote count process is only invoked if there is a tie in the electoral vote. Ah, okay. So this vote where you're contesting the uh, qualifications of the electoral votes is a majority of the entire House and a majority of the entire Senate. It is possible that it won't be a partisan thing. It is possible that you will have Republicans and Democrats alike who are concerned with the uh, integrity of the elections and that these Senate hearings in, that, have, that have been happening at the state level showing, in, in my humble opinion, as a prosecutor over, over, over a decade and practicing law for 20 years of my life, mm-hmm. uh, these Senate hearings, and I've watched them, have, have conclusive evidence of not just simply voter fraud, but criminal activity. And I'm talking about people violating criminal statutes and states violating their own laws. So you could possibly have Democrats who are not tied to political uh, bias and ties and are actually uh, willing to vote for the integrity of, of the elections and vote to discount these. So to say that there's no possibility is simply incorrect. Is it likely? Probably not. Um, But I have to believe, you know, as 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 slim as my belief may be, my hope may be based, is that that people still have a moral standing and a moral uh, 
uh, compulsion to actually do the right thing. You bet. So you bet. if you have basically this, if you have people who are not so slaved to party and actually have a moral center in who they are, then they will look at this from an unbiased perspective and mm -hmm. handle it appropriately. And that's Sounds a possibility. It then yes, a possibility that we I know that you and I probably align with regards to what we hope the outcome will be. I think that I, you know, don't want to put words in your mouth, but I think that we would align. We I I it sounds as if we're counting on Democrats primarily, mm -hmm. but also some Republicans who have not publicly stated their opinion, who will during the course of the hearing and after hearing the debates and the evidence and the arguments brought forth by both sides will will have the courage um, and the fortitude to make not only the right political decision, but the right moral decision. Absolutely. The right yeah. legal decision. Yeah. Because like I said, legally, there have been hearings yep. and the hearings have been conclusive. So yep. it's, it's very, very difficult for me to look at this from uh, a, a legal perspective and not see grounds for, for dismissing these votes. Mm -hmm. Now, just as a point of, of clarity here, uh, everybody looks at the 270 number for a majority. Mm -hmm. The 270 number for majority is considering all electoral votes qualify. If the vote happens and they, they eliminate or reject certain electoral college votes, then that 270 majority will change because then it becomes the majority of the votes that were accepted. So the 270 number is only the magic number when you consider the number of, uh, of total electoral votes being mm -hmm. the total that are issued. Yep. But if some votes are disqualified, then the 270 number will go down based on the number of votes that actually, that Good. actually qualify. Uh, thank you for that clarification. Again, something that you don't hear the mainstream media ever talking about and a lot of hubbub and confusion among mm -hmm. the people. Now, the viewers of this program and obviously the host of this program is on the right side. We clearly want yeah. and hope that President Trump can prevail in this for a, a multitude of different of, of reasons. However, to be honest to the audience, we, I mean, we have to be able to say, look, this isn't clearly it's an uphill battle. While there may be a path, the path is wrought with vines and jungle like growth that we have to cut our way through in order to get to the prize at the top of the hill. But it's uh, Mount Everest uh, level yes. kind of stuff, I think, here. But <laughs> yes. nonetheless, people right. have reached the summit. So <laughs> Yes, yes. Yeah, we will see. I yeah. think that it's going to be not only a historical week, but a very, very interesting one. Um, any any closing thoughts, Chrisanne, just from your own perspective as a constitutional attorney and someone who makes a living teaching people the Constitution? Um, any any and I'll just leave it up to you if, if there's any closing remarks that you would want to make about January 6th, one or two, th three, whatever key things that the audience needs to remember about all of this. William Pitt the Younger gave an, a very famous speech in, in, 17, in 1783. And in that speech, he said, necessity is the plea for every infringement of human freedom. It is the argument of tyrants and it is the creed of slaves. Hmm. I have heard too many people cry the cry of necessity to set aside the constitutional process, to set aside how our presidents are supposed to be elected, how these votes are supposed to be counted because of some argument of necessity one way or the other. Uh, I want to express to the American people this very important thing. 
America is not going to collapse regardless of who is sworn in as president on January 20th, okay? It's not going to happen. We are in no crisis greater than the crisis that created our Constitution. And in that greatest crisis that America has ever lived through, we created a Constitution with specifically limited and defined powers in the federal government. There is no crisis that exists that should rationalize in a reasoned society's mind to set aside those restrictions. Mm -hmm. We must cling to the Constitution now more than ever. To deny that, to refuse that, to cry necessity to set aside the Constitution is to say goodbye to everything that created America in its greatness and to, and to set ourselves up for decades of chaos, decades yep. of Talmud and, and, Republi- and, and banana republic-style government. We must cling to the Constitution now more than ever. And that means that we follow this process as the Constitution dictates, no matter what the results. Because in two years, there'll be another election, and how we handle ourselves now will determine whether we have an opportunity to make the right choices in two years again. Exactly. And I would simply say, be very, very careful about how you choose which arguments to to endorse. Are you choosing the arguments because a particular person said them? Are you choosing an argument because you a particular party endorses them? We have to stay away from personality and party arguments and stick with, with the explanations and the arguments that are supplied by the Constitution itself. And that's the only way this is going to work. As you say, what, um, Constitution before party? Um, well, you have a famous quote out there. Yeah. So, yeah. Liberty over security, Liberty principle over, over party, truth over personality. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I, I, I call it determined patriotism, and I think you're right. We have to be yeah. determined to follow the Constitution. Um, a topic for another show. I don't think we've followed the Constitution for hum, some 160 years or so, especially mm-hmm. with regards to the election of presidents and vice presidents. But another show, another topic. Yeah. Chrisanne Hall, look, um, I know you're busy. Thank you very much for taking the time to explain this. Again, um, between you and me and our audience, I know that we could have spent hours talking about yeah. all of this, but as January 6th is looming, I wanted to get something out to our, our folks and our, the, the folks that subscribe to our channel with an expert. And so thank you for sitting in and, and being here with us. I, I truly, I really do appreciate it. Well, I thank you. Just just sort of as a reference, uh, on my YouTube channel, I have done uh, several shows on this particular topic, and we will be doing another episode uh, this week on it as well. Because I, you know, yep. you cover this, I cover this. As many people we have telling the truth out there, th- yep. the better we are. Unfortunately, you know, we're we're dealing with some some large name personalities and a human nature that loves the cult of personality. So we have to be very diligent about sharing this. And I'm speaking to your audience. Yes. We need you to share this information because here's what happens when 
an errant narrative is endorsed that cannot happen, that should not happen, when it finally comes to the end that it does not happen, what happens is the people become discouraged, they feel defeated, and they feel like they have no power and no choices because that disinformation was never going to succeed to begin with Mm -hmm. and we were set up to fail through the disinformation. And so we must share this truth so that the people are not robbed of their hope in a real possible solution. That is powerfully true. I believe that in my soul. You've hit it right on the head. There are big time names out there on Twitter, Mm -hmm. Facebook, YouTube, the you know mainstream TV and media that are doing exactly what you said, building us up for a hope that is going to only be dashed because the narrative that they're putting forth isn't one that's possible according to the Constitution. I couldn't agree right. more. Well said. Thank you. Um, <laughs> tell us how we get a, how how do we find you on YouTube and all of your platforms? Everything's branded with my name, Chris Ann Hall, K R I S A N N E H A L L, Chris Ann Hall. So I'm on YouTube okay. as Chris Ann Hall. I'm on Instagram as Chris Ann Hall. I'm on Twitch. I'm on Facebook. I am not on Twitter because I am Twitter banned. I've been yeah. Twitter banned since August. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, it's because the Southern Poverty Law Center doesn't yeah. like me. And they, Twitter <laughs> yeah. gets all their information from the Southern Poverty Law Center. So that's where we are on that gotcha. one. <laughs> wow. So, uh, any, have you gone to Rumble yet? Are you one of the ones that are migrating over? Are you strictly YouTube as far as the videos go? Just curious. We are strictly yeah. YouTube. I have okay. a Rumble account, but it's an, okay. you know, it, it, there's a learning curve that's involved. I know. And yeah. we simply don't have the time <laughs> for that. Yep. But I, do t- I can tell you that we are creating our own mobile app. Okay. So like many people out there, like Alex Jones and others out mm-hmm. there, yeah. we are creating our own mobile app. Excellent. So people will be able to get to us if okay. we are deplatformed in other places. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I highly recommend that you look her up. Chris Ann Hall, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E. My mom's name was Ann and she always made sure everyone knew that there was an E at the end of it. So yeah. I can relate to that. Uh, ChrisAnnHall.com and ChrisAnnHall on YouTube and Instagram and all of her platforms. Chrisanne, again, um, from a guy who's just getting started out on a, on a program of his own to, to someone who has established not only credibility, but an audience. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. It always is. Thank you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, The Right Side with Doug Billings. Thank you again for watching it. And to Chrisanne's point, please you know, these kinds of messages need to be shared, regardless of whether it's Chris Ann or myself, the truth about the constitutional pathways forward, not only about January 6th, but about everything that we do with regards to our republic. Um, please, please share the truth and uh, refrain from buying into the, the massive uh, doses of misinformation that we get out there. Do your research, and thanks again for watching us right here on The Right Side with Doug Billings. Cheers. Thank <laughs> you.